The Sergeant Bespin Memo, and Snowden's Disclosure. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for September 12th, 2020. In this episode, Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Render King Fisk, remember September 11th, 2001, and how that specific day brought out the best and the worst of the United States and changed the way we saw the world and our government forever. A federal court vindicated Edward Snowden and said that the NSA's monitoring and storing of American citizens' phone data was illegal, a practice that we highly doubt they've stopped. If anything, with modern technology, the National Security Agency probably expanded that program and is now actually storing more than just your phone data, such as who you called and when. Rumor has it they're also storing your emails. Then we discuss the Sergeant Bespin memo about man-made flying objects that defy our conventional understanding and application of aeronautics and the implications. A message from Chris Stompolis about Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made that's leaving Netflix, but you can get your own copy of the documentary directly from him via his Facebook store, Venmo, PayPal, and Zell. Check out the show page for more information. The Fedora Chronicles is brought to you by our patrons on patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to new episodes of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with show notes, a peek behind the scenes, and more. Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles is where you can purchase t-shirts, coffee mugs, and more with our logo and slogans right on them. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and our website on the air. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show with pop culture and current events through the perspective of classic film snobs and diesel punks, with topics ranging from true crime, government conspiracies and cover-ups, and the paranormal. You can now listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, Player FM, Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Google Play on Android devices. If your favorite podcast service doesn't have the Fedora Chronicles radio show on it, let us know and we'll fix it right away. Once again, this is Jay Cousineau and I, Eric Render Kingfisk. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. hard for me to like without with without sounding too risque because i because i want to make sure that carol is number one in my life and i don't want her to think that the podcast is more important than her this is the favorite part right this is the favorite part of the week that doesn't involve carol oh well i don't have a carol in my life so right now it's the favorite my favorite part of the week oh okay what so so what you're 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 uh, you're free range now are you you're you're free agent yeah pretty much pretty much i got a there's a, a woman i've been seeing but it is it uh it's very casual okay so. okay so speaking of uh casual you had said something this morning in the the group chat that sort of really made me sad all, all of a sudden oh because uh, I read, I read what you had just said, and um, uh, kissed Carol goodbye for the day, and then it's like mm-hmm. I realized, oh my God, it's that day, it's that day, yeah. and and it's September 11th. Um, yeah. 
It's hard for me to be able to talk about this without getting emotional. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, and people have to remember that you and I are New Englanders. We're yeah. from New England. Right. And we were in New England on that day. You know, I don't know about you, but I was I was actually driving in to training for work. Right. I worked third shift at the time, but I was driving in for some training during the morning for that week and uh, came over the radio and the first one hit and you thought, oh my God, that's a, that's a tragedy. And, you know, you were wondering. And I remember I was listening to Don Imus. Yeah, you, me, you and I both. Yeah. And then, then the second one hit and Don Imus was at a loss for words. Yeah. I mean, like a guy who at that time had been in broadcasting for like, you know, 20, 30 centuries. And <laughs> he, he was at a loss for words. That is just, that lets you know that in and of itself, that, that action, that, that fact that he's on the, on the air, his entire crew, and Don Imus, you remember, he, he always had two or three other people on mic. Oh, yeah. And none of them were saying anything. Let's you know just what a, yeah. what a key moment in history was. It's not often when we are aware of being involved in a key moment in history. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's my father's birthday, and I remember calling him and... He was like, hell of a birthday present. And up until that moment, I had forgotten it was his birthday. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, I had known until I heard, but then I had just forgotten after that. And I think about it, and my son has never lived in a world where it was pre-9-11. Right. Neither, neither of my two boys. Yeah. They've always lived in a world where there was... A post-September 11th world. Yeah. The, the hardest thing for me to deal with, which occurred to me last night, is that this completely changed the way that I thought about the world and the government. Oh, yeah. I used to believe that for the most part, people in the government always tried to do the right thing. And there were a couple of bad actors that got in the way of the people who are trying to do good in the government. And if you remember at the time, I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do with this computer animation career of mine that I was trying to start. Mm -hmm. the, I think the second or third biggest regret of my life is not starting the podcast sooner and not being able to record and store audio to use at a later date and I would love to be able to play audio from September 11th 2001 and play it for my sons and say this this is what really happened this was what was going on in the world and this is how the world changed and this is how the world was different because there was a serious shift in the the spirit and the mindset in the country that's from September 10th and September 
12th, we were living in two different worlds. Yeah. September 11th was just a day of shock and horror. And when we look at what was going on on September 12th, trying to figure out what happened and who did this and what, um, there was a moment when I realized when I was driving into work that the world is never going to be the same. Yeah. The world. I mean, I'm, I'm a, yeah. I'm a little ashamed because I actually didn't think of my children for a good hour. I really didn't. And that's unusual for that, me. Yeah, that is. That but is. then after I, you know, after I'd kind of gotten a handle on my own emotions, I was, that was like one of the first thoughts, you know, it took me that long just to get a handle on wrap my mind around what I was feeling and how I was impacted. Yeah. But then thinking about, you know, dear God, what kind of a world are my kids going to grow up in? And it's fair to say that America went a little crazy. Um, there was a subway in the small town I lived in, town of Palmer, Massachusetts, and the subway was owned by a Hindu family. Subway sandwich shop, not a, not a subway yep. stop. Right, Subway Sandwiches. I'm trying to figure out where, where would they put a Subway? Where would they put a tea station in Palmer? I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a Subway Sandwich Shop. And like, it was like September 16th. So it was like five days after. It wasn't even a full week. Right. I walk in there and these two guys are berating the, <sighs> the owner of the shop. And just because they thought they were Muslim. And I'm like, okay. First of all, even if they are Muslim, you're still out of the line. Second of all, they're they're Hindu. They're not even Muslim. Yeah. So you're proving your own ignorance here. And third of all, they're just trying to get through their day like you are. This yeah. is impacting them in ways that you don't understand. So why don't you just, you know, realize they're here trying to pursue their version of the American dream just like you are. Go fucking eat your sandwich and relax. And I can't imagine, given the stupidity of people, I can't yeah. imagine what today is like for the Muslim community in the United States. Yeah, we actually have a, a, a friend in our uh, staff chat who is actually talking about that. Um, yeah. And we should actually have her on the, on the show sometime. Um, yeah, if hey, we'd Melissa. been thinking about it, we should have had her on today to talk about yeah. how, as a Muslim American, how has that impacted her? Yeah. Um, if she wants to go on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but kids these days, <laughs> I hate to say it like <laughs> that, kids these days will not know what it is like to have to go through what we went through on September 11th and how the world changed. And the years after September 11th were... Um, I hope they never have to go through that. I honestly don't. Um, but I would like them for them to understand why it would have been so important to keep your head and not be reactionary to all of this. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to honor the people who died that day and the first responders who died as a result of being there and being at the, at the remains of the Twin Towers and 
got sick and died from it. I'd like to be yeah. able to honor that and not go down the crazy, wild conspiracy theorist train. Um, and it's hard. It's very, it's very difficult. Um, we're still in Afghanistan. And to a smaller extent, Iraq. We are still involved in the Middle East because of what happened 19 years ago today. Yeah. Um, in fact, a friend of mine is over there right now. It, 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 it literally is a day that changed the world. And there's absolutely no way that you can look at what happened on that day and believe that we bounced back and everything went to normal in a relatively short period of time, which it, it didn't. I don't, I don't think every, everything has gone back to normal. There are days when I don't think about it, but there's not a week that goes by that I don't think about it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And, and what, one of the things that made me really appreciate my life more <clears throat> is that I was actually on one of those flights, but on a different day. Yeah. And that really bothered the hell out of me, that I could have. Now, yeah. Now, just to make it clear for everyone listening, again, we're New Englanders. So every single one of those flights were daily flights. There were flights going out there. If you were heading to New York, if you were heading to, I forget what the destination was for the other three. But both, if you both were, of them, you know, both of them were for Los Angeles because they were full of fuel. Right. Um, the one that, the one that landed in, um, Shanks when they hit the Pentagon. Yeah. Okay. That one I think was headed for. I want to say it was headed for somewhere in Texas. I seem to remember it was heading south. Um, and then the one that landed in that Pennsylvania field, which we think was headed for the White House. Um, I believe that one was headed for, I want to say it was headed for Seattle. But these are all daily flights. And, yeah. you know, I don't think, I don't think all of them were nonstop flights. But it was not unusual for anyone in New England to have been on any of those flights. You know, it's like saying you were on a particular highway, a highway, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. You know, at some point, yes, you've been on that highway, you know? So yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's just one of those, today is one of those days, one of those anniversaries that, at least for our generation, I think for our, our kids that don't remember the pre 9-11 world, which is most, I think my oldest is the only one that really remembers anything pre 9-11. Um, and I really don't like it when people call it 911. I right. I really don't. It's September 11th. It didn't happen on September 1 1st. You know, it's just, it's just a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, my, no, me but, too. Me too. Yeah. You know, but the, uh, the, my children, I don't think any of them really remember the pre 9-11 world. They really don't. You know, it's just like you or I talking about what life was like before um, the dropping of the nuclear bomb. Right. At some point in history, it's going to be something that we make memory, not celebrate, but commemorate. And, but it's never, I, I don't think once our generation is gone, I think subsequent generations aren't going to be feeling the impact of it like we do. Right. Which is natural. You know, it's just that's how things should be to an extent.
you know. Otherwise, we'd still be, you know, commemorating the oh hell, I don't know, the the Battle of Lexington and Concord or something. Right. You know, it's just that's just the nature of the world. There are, but there are rare key moments in history that happen, and you are aware that it is a key moment in history. The time it happens. Usually, you don't recognize those things for years and years afterwards. You know, like no one remembers they were the day the internet 2.0 was born, but that certainly impacted the world. Right. So, I don't know, maybe some people remember. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so um, we had so many other things to talk about, but we just yeah. Weren't... Well, let's let's talk about uh, Snowden. Well, I, I'm not aware of what the Snowden news is. This is this is probably one of the biggest news stories that you are not talking about. A federal court ruled that what Edward Snowden revealed to the rest of the world about how the NSA is monitoring personal data was illegal. And this is a huge precedent. So this they said that what he found out was illegal. Right. Yeah, just clarifying. They're making sure in my head, because, you know, 6.30 in the morning, I'm one rum down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many, there is so many other things going on around Edward Snowden this week. Is that, and if you're not paying attention, you could easily, easily overlook it. One of, one of the things that, I'm just going to go to the Guardian and just read these two headlines, and I want your reaction. Okay. Um, from from the Guardian, from the UK, and I love how they have this big, huge flag at the bottom of the screen. Your privacy. <laughs> they want to let you know. They want to. They want to let you know they don't sell your personal information, but they also have this big, huge advertisement that you can't get rid of. Um, <laughs> NSA surveillance exposed by Snowden was illegal. Court rules seven years on. Whistleblower revealed collection of phone records to The Guardian. Court says officials who defend Dragnet were not telling the truth. The article goes on. I'm just going to read the first three paragraphs. Seven years after the former NSA contractor Edward Snowden blew the whistle on the mass surveillance of Americans' telephone records, an appeals court has found the program was unlawful and that the U.S. intelligence leaders, the U.S. intelligence leaders, let's get that straight, yeah. who publicly defended it, were not telling the truth. In a ruling handed down Wednesday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit said the warrantless telephone dragnet that was secretly that secretly collected millions of Americans' telephone records violated the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act and may have been unconstitutional. No, really? <laughs> and then he is quoted as saying... I never imagined that I would live to see that our courts condemn the NSA's activities as unlawful and in the same ruling credit me for exposing them, Soden said in a message posted on Twitter. 
evidence that the NSA was secretly building a vast database of U.S. telephone records, the who, the how, and the when, and the where of millions of mobile calls was first and arguably the most explosive of Snowden's revelations published by The Guardian in 2013. You were about to say, I needed to get that out, Jay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, So here's my question. I could have sworn I saw in the news, and it was a blip in the news. Right three weeks ago that Trump was prepared to give Snowden a presidential pardon. He should. Right. I'm not saying he shouldn't, but I remember seeing that. I thought I saw that a, you know, two, three weeks ago. But doesn't this ruling, correct me if I'm wrong, and we're not lawyers, we don't pretend to be lawyers, but if I'm not misunderstood, this solidifies Snowden's standing as a whistleblower and therefore able for whistleblower protections under the law. Yes, he should absolutely be granted that. Well, he always he always should have been right. granted that, but this like is like the final nail in the coffin of anyone saying, well, yeah, but. No, there is no but anymore. This is 100% he is a whistleblower and i struggle with snowden i really do um he always comes across to me in interviews as being like a bit of a smarmy conceited shit. Yeah. he really does to me anyway and i recognize what he did was a good thing and a necessary thing um i'm not sure i would have had the intestinal fortitude to do it were i in his position but it's just there's something about him that to me just doesn't seem i don't know something about him that i really don't like he and he does come yeah. off as a little um smart assy if that's a word and a little smug maybe yeah he's he just there's something about him that really just rubs me the wrong way so while i don't condemn his actions there's something about him that just makes me go Ugh. yes you know what i mean not gonna lie you know like we all had that kid in high school it was a smart kid but there was just something about him like i was a geek and a nerd and i hung right. out with the geeks and the nerds in high school but there was always that one kid that was a geek and a nerd that even the other geeks and nerds were like "Ugh, i don't like that guy <laughs> dude please you know what yeah. i mean yeah And then you find out years later that, you know, he was chasing the babysitter around naked when he was six with a little tiny heart heart on or something. I don't know. You do kind of appreciate people like that, though, to some extent. I mean, you knowing what you want and going after it, that's huge at such a young age. (laughs) to, to, (laughs) To some extent, to some extent. But when it's your sister, that's the that's the. uh the babysitter that's being chased around by the perverted little six-year-old. There's a little party that wanders in the back of your head. What the fuck is going on in that house? Exactly. You know, but yeah, I, I just, that is huge though. I mean, does this mean they're going to stop now? No, <laughs> no, because <laughs> they never stopped. <laughs> are, are, are you crazy? This is just going to embolden them. Right. It, they Now everyone knows they're doing it. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows now it's been verified that they're illegal. Well, now that every you know? and now that everybody knows that, it's not a big deal. 
So now they can go the extra step and go even further into illegal territory because it, it's it's this crazy mindset. You already know that I'm doing something shady and illegal. So now that you know about that, and apparently you're okay with it because you're not rioting in the streets, now we get to go even one step further. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not too crazy with that last statement. People are not going, people are not rioting in the streets over the NSA surveillance. Are you sure? Give them a week. Okay. All right. In a week, there'll be that. The, I'm not saying the rioting will change, it'll be the same rioters out there. They'll just be saying, we're not rioting for Black Lives Matter. We're rioting for. For Snowden. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. For, uh, for Snowden. Let's be honest, the writers are not doing anything for any political reasons. Yeah. They really aren't. They're just they're just a bunch of fucking anarchists and violent fuckheads that want to go out and be violent. So Yeah, so it's it's a huge change. It's a huge admission of guilt by the federal courts that said that the NSA is doing something awful. I highly, I highly doubt that it'll change anything in the NSA. Um, do I have, do I have to mention the devil's chessboard again? Okay, no, now we're recording. Now we're recording okay, again. Now we're recording. Okay. All right. So what folks don't know is that while Jay and I were wrapping up our segment talking about the NSA surveillance program was deemed unconstitutional and illegal by the courts jay lost power that's how badly they want to stop us from talking about this right <laughs> they're willing to do anything so but your audio quality is pretty good awesome yeah awesome. we you know we could we could do it like this more often so the only problem that i'm going to have is that if um telemarketers call <laughs> yeah right Right. I usually have my phone on do not disturb while we're recording. So, so what I thought that maybe I would do is, is that I would just add them to the call. <laughs> <laughs> You're on news of the week, Fedora Chronicles radio. How can we help you? Go ahead. Caller. <laughs> Go ahead. Caller number eight. <laughs> You've just won. <laughs> you just won a Fedora Pro Chronicles prize package. In it, you get a Fedora Chronicles t-shirt, a News of the Week coffee mug, and a $35 gift certificate to Zazzle. Terms and conditions <laughs> may apply. Oh, so, yeah, I'm looking out my window and all of the lights are out. Oh, okay. Somebody, yeah. somebody obviously hit a phone pole or something. Oh, I don't know, because we had huge, horrific windstorm uh, earlier in the week. And there were thousands of people in the Salt Lake Valley, which is a considerable. I mean, the Salt Lake Valley is like the main metro area of Utah. Yeah. But it's roughly the size of Massachusetts. Right. From Boston to the New York border. Yep. And um, there were, I think it was Monday night or Tuesday night, there were over 160,000 people without power. And now we just lost power out here. So I think they diverted power from us to them. Okay. Because keeping in mind that what's really going on is that there are all of these wildfires out in California. And I think that oh, they've yeah. spread to Oregon. Yep. Uh, California, Oregon, and 
Uh, I've got friends that live in Washington, and I guess there's one fire in Oregon that they're wondering if it's going to cross the border into Washington State. Yeah. So, what? but I I don't know I don't know, dude, because like we get the power the power that I that my town gets we actually get from like two or three different sources. Yeah. So the town basically I pay my utilities bill to the town itself. And then the town chooses which where they're getting their power from based on various things, and cost is one of them. So usually we we're getting there's a, a nuclear plant in Idaho that we get our power from. That's usually where we get our power, but not always. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they, it's like, because I know they switch between them regularly, and I'm wondering if this is because they switch from one to another one, and that one had a dead feed, and they're like, oh, fine. you know how it is. Yeah, I know exactly how it is. You know how it is. Yeah. But we were talking about how our government is filled with a bunch of shits and assholes. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. I need to get a little more specific. We talk about that every week. Yes. (laughs) The Edward Snowden thing. Right. Edward Snowden thing. And I I was just the last thing that I think that I said to you before we lost power or you lost power. This is not going to change anything. They're yeah. just going to be more secretive about it. And this yeah, is... Even if they are. This it's is like the yellow, yellow journalism laws. This is, and I also brought up uh, The Devil's Chessboard by David Talbot. And, this, and I'm rereading this book. Um, I'm rereading it and I'm going through and I'm making notes. And it's hard for me to sort of convey to you the fact that under Alan Dulles, the CIA did horrific things you could not possibly imagine in the name of, quote, democracy, unquote. Now, Dulles was in charge of the CIA during the 60s and 70s? Um, Late 40s, 50s, and early 60s. He was fired right after the Bay of Pigs when JFK found out that Alan Dulles purposely lied to him in an effort to try and get the United States into war with the Soviets over Cuba. Way to go, JFK. Holy shit. And And he was killed for it. I'm, oh, Dulles was killed? No, no. JFK was killed for it. Oh. And other things. Well, that's one of the theories anyway. Well, um, there's a series of books that I have read, or there's a bunch of books that I have read. And we are, and here's the thing. We're getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves <laughs> because I was planning on doing another JFK assassination special in, in yep. November. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get a really good guest for the show. Um, all right, then we will we will delicately segue away from that. Okay, but But, I mean the the truth is that I don't I don't honestly think that much is going to change surveillance wise at all. I don't think anything is going to change. They're not going to be any more secretive about it than they were before. It's one of those open secrets that unless and until there is some form of upheaval from the American people. They're just going to be like, oh, okay, you ruled it as unconstitutional, whatever. Yeah. Because that's what, and this is, this is what you and I mean when we talk about the deep state. We're yep. not talking about any of that crazy conspiracy theorist cabal where they're all meeting in the dead of night, you know, wearing robes with face concealing hoods or any of that shit. Right. 
this isn't like the court of owls or anything you know this is this is the state bureaucracy right continuing to do what it does regardless of what the quote-unquote leadership says because the leadership is for the most part just a figurehead yeah everyone's all you know going back and forth about biden and trump and oh i saw an interesting youtube thing the other day there's this this group called the behaviorist panel and there are four of the top body language experts in the world mm-hmm. and they will watch various interviews and critique them and say okay like the what got me started on them was they watched the interview prince andrew had with the, that bbc officiant about yeah. the epstein case yeah and they were oh they ripped him up one side down the other they're like yeah he's he's definitely been coached his entire life you can see it here you can see it there but it's all of the subconscious things that he's doing they're like oh yeah he's avoiding something we're not saying he's a pedophile we're saying he is hiding something in this interview he is not being full forthcoming it's not that he's being dishonest although there were times he was it was more that he was it was avoidance behavior he was trying to avoid he was trying to steer the interview and avoid talking about certain things and the interviewer wasn't having any of it they were there to find out information and he was there to not give them information so it was and they recently did um an interview with biden where he was talking about tara reed and that whole incident and they, they went on for a good hour and a half and they were like all of this avoidance thing there he's he's avoiding there was some things where they and again they didn't say he was lying because that's not what they do he's avoiding talking about something because you can tell when someone's avoiding talking about something and when he's looking for acceptance and from the interviewer and stuff like that and I just watched the first part of the interview with Tara Reid where she dropped the bomb on yeah. Biden. Yeah. And um, I guess it was Mika Pusinski that was interviewing Joe Biden and it was um, uh, Megan Kelly that was interviewing Tara Reid. And Megan Kelly has had similar experiences in her life. Yeah. So you They made a movie about it that of, nobody saw. Yeah, right? Um, because everyone assumed it was going to be all political bias. Right. And I never saw it for the same reason. I was like, hey, I don't need another thing. You know, watch Hollywood, you know, try and lambaste a um, conservative viewpoint. I get that enough. But um, in the Megyn Kelly Tara Reid interview, they were a little frustrated because you couldn't see both of them at the same time. You could right. see Tara Reid and then you'd see Megyn Kelly. So there was a lot of cut editing that was making things difficult for them to see what's going on because part of what they do is you get a baseline you you understand how that person behaves normally and it's easy to do with a public figure like joe biden it's difficult to do with someone who is not a public figure like terry um but they did point out that megan kelly had a lot of a lot of sympathy and empathy for terry based on her own experiences and with Joe Biden and Mika Brzezinski, you can tell Mika was getting extremely frustrated with Joe Biden. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but 
this, this is the thing. This is this is all what we call political theater, because to a large extent, it doesn't matter if Joe Biden becomes the next president of the United States or if, Joe, if uh, Donald Trump continues to be president. To a large extent, it does not matter. Because the deep state is going to do what the deep state does. They won't necessarily inform the president of anything, you know, and that's one of the things I know a lot of Trump supporters like about Trump is that he's gone on record and basically called out the deep state on things that he frankly doesn't have the authority to stop. Um, Like one of the things that he another thing that I noticed that he's doing um, recently that, you know, the Trump bandwagon people are all over is he actually released, hey, these are the next 20 people I'm going to submit for a Supreme Court seat, which politically is very smart. If he maintains that list and starts going through that list and people start bitching about people on it, he's like, you've had the list since, you know, yeah, like September of 2020. Why the hell haven't you looked at it? I told you this is the list I was going to use. Yeah. That's that's smart of him, and it continues with his his brand of you know his war against the media, the biased media. And let's face it, the media has given up all pretense of bi- of being unbiased now. Yeah, they really have. You, you you and I read some of the the headlines on CNN, and it's just so obvious that they're biased now. They they're not even hiding it anymore, biased. Jay. They're not even hiding it. Yeah, they're really not. And it's ironically the same thing with the deep state. The deep state has basically been revealed with this ruling from the court, the federal court, saying that what the NSA is doing is illegal. There's no, I haven't read the article, but I bet there's nothing in there saying how the NSA has said, oh, okay, well, we're going to stop doing it then. We're going to shut down that $7 billion data center in Bluffdale, Utah. They're not saying anything about that. Of course not, because they're not going to. They're just, they're just not going to do it. And what can we do about it? What can we as people do about it? Not a hell of a lot, to be honest with you, besides just stop using um, the phone. Well, there's a few more things we can do with it. Like, there's a, a lot of, well, because I work in the tech industry, a lot of people are getting concerned about being tracked, their activity online being tracked, and you can set up a a um, a VPN, yeah, to route your traffic specifically through various different things. That was how that was how we found that was how this uh, Stephen Crowder show found out that Google fucked over Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, is because they were using a VPN, and they when they shuffled it, when they shunted their traffic through. Canada, they were able to get, excuse me, they were able to get different results than when they were doing their traffic through the United States. So technology is responding. The tech sector is responding to Americans. Not needs so much, but even the niche demands of the tech people. So it wouldn't surprise me if there was at some point in the near future an app that you could put on your phone that would scramble the signal if you will um making it more difficult for the nsa to find out what's going on it also wouldn't surprise me if all of that is irrelevant because the nsa 
has gone to all of those companies and demanded they have a backdoor access. Like oh, I'm sure. Microsoft and Apple. I'm sure. And this it's, kind of circles around to what we started the show with. Yeah. They use the excuse of September 11th and preventing another September 11th to do all of this shady shit. And I've harped on this enough. I put up an article, a rant or commentary on the server and I did not release it to the general public. And two guys who claimed they were from the Department of Homeland Security came to our house, came to my house to talk about yep. it. And the fact that I, I was getting that call. Yeah. I remember when you called me, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. And I reached out to one of my contacts and he was like, okay, there is no such thing as a Department of Homeland Security badge. The Department of Homeland Security is like the DOD. There's no one that goes anywhere carrying a badge saying they're from the right, DOD. which is kind they're of from the Army, the Marines, the Air Force, whatever. And it's the same thing with the Department of Homeland Security. The whole episode was sketchy from the word go. Exactly. Exactly. So where I remember calling you back and you're like, then who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, man. They were parked in the driveway in a Jeep Liberty yep. with U.S. government black plates Jeep on Liberty. them. A black Jeep Liberty with um, U.S. government plates on them. Yeah, and I remember because you didn't let them in. And I was like, that is such a good fucking thing. You didn't they, want to no, they No, they, they eventually they eventually came in when they they because they said, oh, we're not here. We're not here about you. We're here to talk about your neighbor down the street who's applied for um, FBI status. Yes. And of course, my curiosity got the worst of me, Jay. So yeah. so the 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 whole issue, the whole problem of all of this thing with Edward Snowden is that if it was anybody else or any other agency, people would be freaking out that, oh my God, the NSA is doing this and or now like the FBI or the local police. If yeah. your local police station was t collecting phone records of, uh, of all everybody who lives in your town, you would be freaking out and for good reason. But when it's the NSA or the FBI or the DOJ or the defense department does it it's for your safety it's for your good jay yeah you know and people are like well i have nothing to hide well yeah you do you do yeah you do you just don't know like, it into the fact you breathe you have something it's 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 like the police have probable cause to enter anyone's home at any time they do yeah because of the way the laws are written they have probable cause. That probable cause may be very, very flimsy, but they will have probable cause. And whether or not, if they do storm your house, based on that probable cause, they enter they they enter your house. Depending on the judge, yeah, is whether or not it stands or not, because exactly. that's where our justice system is. Yeah, you know, and like this ruling by this court, unless it's the Supreme Court. The government is going to appeal it and it'll go to a higher court and then that court is most likely going to overturn it until it gets to the supreme court uh there's also another aspect of this entire edward snowden issue mm -hmm. that we need to also address because we also like to talk about amazon this is from yep. business insider 
I think Business Insider is probably one of the most, I don't know if unbiased is the right word for it, but Business Insider, yeah. I think they're unbiased in the terms of Republican Democrat. Business Insider is about business and that's where their focus is. They could give a shit less about Republican Democrat. Therefore, they come across as less biased politically, but they are biased towards business. This was published yesterday, Jay. Amazon added the ex-NSA spy chief who presided over Edward Snowden's scandal to its board. This was published yesterday, September 10th, 2020. Amazon announced Thursday that it elected former National Security Agency chief Keith Alexander to its board. Alexander presided over the NSA when the Edward Snowden scandal broke. Snowden reactioned to the news of Alexander's hiring by Amazon, saying, it turns out, hey, Alex, is short for, hey, Keith Alexander. <laughs> who, who knew that Alexa was related to Keith Alexander? Who knew? Apparently Edward Snowden did. <laughs> Edward Snowden did. <laughs> My God. You know, and, and this is the thing. Amazon, you can get some great deals on Amazon. Oh, sure. I've been using Amazon quite a bit. But right. it's just so, you know, there is just a part of me that when I, you know, when I'm using Amazon, there's, there is a part of me that's like, fuck, what are they going to, what are they going to draw from this? Right. Jeff Bezos is a, the richest man in the world who behaves like he's still in, you know, the middle, middle class of right. America. He's driving a 20 year old fucking car and shit. And this is a guy who is just, I don't know, there's, there's a part of me that says when you're that rich and you don't, you're not taking advantage of your wealth, he doesn't have any multi-million dollar yachts. He doesn't live in a giant, huge redwood home like Bill Gates does. There's literally nothing about the man's life no. that if you were to meet him on the street and didn't know who he was, they would make you realize this is the wealthiest man to have ever lived. Right. You know? So there's a part of me that, that looks at him and is like, what the fuck is he doing with his money? Exactly. Cause he also, this is a guy who literally has the money to fight against the government mm-hmm. when they do shady shit. He's got the funds for it, but absolutely no interest. When the federal government goes to him and like, hey, we'd like to do this. He's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He's not, to my knowledge, once ever denied the government anything. I mean, not that Apple and Microsoft do either. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's one thing when it's like, okay, you what are you going to get from Amazon? What is the government going to learn from Amazon? They're going to learn your purchasing habits, the things you buy, the things right. you look at, the things you're researching for purchase or even right. just wishing you could afford to get right. And maybe the shit that you watch on Amazon prime, that's it. That's all they can get, you know, but like Apple a few years ago was, was, you know, doing all this pomp and circumstance about how they don't let the government have any backdoors to their operating system. And it was six months after, you know, those of us in the tech industry or those of us paying attention to the tech industry were, had found out that Apple and Microsoft both have 
created backdoors to their operating system specifically for the federal government. Yeah. And it's funny how pull out Edward Snowden's name whenever they want to reveal something. Oh, sure. Like, there's no way Edward Snowden knew about the my, Apple and Microsoft shit. Guy's been in hiding since 20. Well, unless, of course, people are leaking shit. information to him. Which is possible, I suppose, but I think it's more likely. Where is he now, geographically? Uh, apparently, he is hiding out in, in Moscow, of all people, of all places. Um, right. So where's he getting his information from, most likely? Probably the K, the, what is what used to be called the KGB. Right. Now, it's I believe it's called the FSB. Yeah. But that's more than likely that's where he's getting his information. So whenever this is this is part of the reason why I have a love hate relationship with Edward Snowden. Right. Because he's now on the other side. He's gone to this 1980s kid. He's gone full traitor. Yep. He's working for the enemy. Anything he talks about now, especially anything that seems recent, how is he? How is it possible that he knows about it? He's being fed information from the FSB. Oh yeah. So. Anything in an interview that gets revealed from Edward Snowden that isn't possibly something that he could have known about seven years ago, to me, is Russia fucking with us, causing uh, causing division between us and the federal government, us being the American people and the federal government. That doesn't mean the federal government shouldn't be held to task. That means that I now suspect everything coming out of Edward Snowden's mouth in recent times. Yeah, and I think you should. I think you should be. Concerned. I think we all should be. I mean, the motivations are important, right? Um, I think Edward Snowden saw something that freaked him the hell out. And then he gathered this information and released it. And he didn't, I don't think, intended to go to Moscow. I don't think he ever intended to be basically the Russian front, the no. Russian face. Um, but that's where he ended up. You know, I don't think he did anything out of, you know, the goodness of his own heart. He's too smarmy for me to believe that. It's entirely possible I'm wrong. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's entirely possible I'm wrong. I just don't believe he had altruistic intentions when he did what he did. Yeah. You know, when, when he first dropped the bombshell about the NSA, I don't think he had altruistic intentions. I think he saw something or did something and was afraid. And said, if if I make a big enough name for myself, they can't do anything to me. Right. And then everything else just was just the dominoes falling the way they fell. Yeah. Um, but that's that's still, you know, it's how fucked up is that? It's pretty. When you, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's 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 aggravating and it's frustrating because on the one hand, I would like to believe that this guy is some kind of a folk hero. Yet on the other hand, there's shit about him that I don't like. The and the fact that out of all the places for him to seek sanctuary or to get sanctuary, it's Russia. Right. That to me is troublesome. And and Harris by the way, Harrison is getting ready for school he's going to be sitting right next to me here i'm debating about whether or not i want to hook up his microphone so i can like he can like chime in with comments once in a while i don't i don't know if i want to do that or not 
I'm thinking about Maybe it. Maybe not. If he's I'm getting ready for school, it. he's probably in a sour mood. Are you in a sour mood? No, he's not. Yeah, okay. I, you know what? I don't know. Do, do you want... Do you... Then again, he's not, as, he's not as surly as Alan. No, he's not. Do you want me to set up the microphone so you can chime in once in a while? All I have to do is just turn the microphone to make, face your mouth. Yeah. You're going to be in a meeting. So, um, another thing that we wanted to do, do we, do we have time to talk about, uh, Tic Tac UFO or should we? No, no, no. Let's, let's go into that. Yeah. All right. We, we got time, dude. I'm looking at the, the people from the power company running around trying to figure out why the hell we don't have power. Okay. <laughs> Hang on a second. This also interjects with the conversation or the conversations that I had with Ariel Cooksey and the interview okay. that I did on her podcast. Podcasts, the podcast. Yes. Just a wonderful name. It really is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm angry and I'm jealous because I didn't think of it first. <laughs> um, Ariel does a great job interviewing other podcasters. <laughs> And um, she has one of the most unique true crime podcasts and one of the greatest voices for doing true crime podcasts. And like I have said on Twitter, when people look for true crime podcasts, I say, um, Ariel Cooksey is like that friend that you had in college that you still talk to and she leaves you long voicemails with these beautiful articulate thoughts and then just lets you go on the, or she's like your favorite sister-in-law who you want to sit next to at Thanksgiving because you will both take turns egging on your hyper conservative uncle. <laughs> just so we're clear that uncle at the Thanksgiving feast was my dad growing up. Just, okay. Just full disclosure. <laughs> or, or Chase. She, and, and here's the thing. She she is exactly the kind of person um, that I think of when I think of if Carol had a younger sister. Oh, okay. That's why I like her so much. Um, yeah. So she interviewed me, and we did um, a two-hour interview that she she broke up into two parts mm -hmm. we didn't even get to the part of why why i podcast and and how i podcast yeah you you guys are just talking about your dad right most of the time the now the reason why this is relevant is because i gotta i have to provide some cover for somebody i'm i i call him sergeant bespin um for reasons because mm -hmm. I, I actually the other name that I was going to call him it was has been taken up by somebody else in the media. Okay. So Sergeant, is it, this is the guy that we called the Alphabet Soup for a while. No, this is the, this is another guy. Oh, okay. Okay. Sergeant Bespin is somebody else. Um, somebody that oh, I okay. I think I know. Go I ahead. right, and I've known him for quite a while, and he sent us this lengthy letter. And this was this was actually going to be the meat and the potatoes of the podcast. 
And if you actually look up on the Fedora Chronicles, the name of this episode is the Sergeant Bespin Memo Disclosure. And it is for the episode for September 12th, 2020. Now, this is this is the one you forwarded. It is. Right? Now, did okay. you read it? Yes, I did. Okay. Dan, did you read the part where he said this is this is for public consumption? And this is the... Yeah. Okay. Now, he tells a very interesting story. Which I haven't even finished researching all the bombs he dropped. He dropped all the he dropped a lot of bombs. Where he like he spends about maybe three or four paragraphs talking about the background of the company that builds what we call the Tic Tac. Which means it looks it looks like it is a flying Tic Tac. Right. These are the Tic Tac UFOs that people have been reporting. They look like glowing Tic Tacs in the sky and they usually fly in formation. Yeah. And they look like they're under some kind of intelligent control. He's And he mentioned that often. That there are these objects that they either look like spheres or they look like Tic Tac candies. They look like cylinders with rounded ends. I I don't even know how else to describe them. No, there's nothing more accurate. And in this show page, he goes on to say that this is something that a corporation here in the United States under Skunk Works, I believe, or secret black box, black funding, black ops organization, has created. Now, he doesn't elaborate where the technology comes from, to to my understanding. Right. He, he doesn't say, he doesn't say where the technology comes from, but he does make a good point in saying that this is a technology that somehow we may have developed all of our, all on our own. And because of the, the great military applications for this, the, the government is keeping this under wraps, keeping this from the public domain. And just so we're clear, my understanding of that from, from the memo that you forwarded to me is, I mean, this, this literally could be the Jensen car. Right. The flying car. This is that kind of technology yes it's it's not at all what you would expect from somebody who wants to who wants to talk about ufos who used to be in the military this is somebody who says this is a technology that exists we have agencies within the u.s government who use it on a right semi-regular basis and they're trying to constantly trying to figure out new military applications for this. I don't even know how else to describe the Sergeant Bespin memo. Yeah. It's something that the listeners are going to have to read for themselves. Right. I think that it is extraordinary in the sense that people, he came out and he said people are ready to talk and people are coming out of the woodwork. People are coming out of hiding. And and 
the scary the scary thing for me is the um the cover up the the amount of I don't even know how to put it because the thing is is that Edward Snowden released information to the general public and it cost him his freedom and his private life. Right. I'm worried about I'm worried about the implications of of this memo here. And the fact that Well, I mean, to some extent I don't think there's anything to worry about. Right. Because even though the government is admitting now that they've come across UFOs and things like that, I don't think the government is at the point yet where, or I don't think it's at the point now, not yet, because I don't think they're going to get there. I think that they think the, the winds are turning in a different direction. It, if his memo is true, which based on if this is the guy I think you're talking yeah. about, Everything else he's told you so far has kind of has borne fruit. Not every, not everything, but most everything he said right. has borne fruit. If what he's saying is true, then it could be that the U.S. government is getting ready to reveal a new technology with military applications to the world. And part of the reason why they they don't care if people think about UFOs is because this is going to explain at least a good chunk of the UFO sightings. Yep. You know, if they come out and say, oh, by the way, those, um, what do they call them, uh, aerial phenomenon, unexplained aerial yep. phenomenon, if all of the all of those, which are current cutting-edge, state-of-the-art fighters, are unable to, um, are unable to basically stand up to and, and deal with, mm-hmm. and then they reveal that, oh, by the way, this is us. Yeah. This is our modern skunk works and our latest fighter. This is completely and totally game changing. Oh, absolutely. It's possible that that could be what's happening. Um, In which case he's not in trouble if that's the case. There's part of me that thinks that he wants to give us a bone. He wants to toss us a bone and he likes our show so much that he wants us to be able to release this. And share yeah. share this with I and I also thought about just doing a a, a recording of me re, of, of of me reading this yeah and putting it and, and, and putting it out on the server putting that mm-hmm. separately this gets back to something that I wanted to talk to Ariel about we we just didn't we we didn't get into it that much there were a couple of times when my dad and I were standing around the uh, various kitchens and all the places where we ever lived. There was um, the, the, the kitchen in Marlboro, the kitchen at Marlboro, Massachusetts, the kitchen in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, um, North Central Vermont, Fremont, California, Air, Massachusetts again. And he would just look at me and he says, look, what would, I t- what would you do if I told you that what crashed in Roswell was not alien, as in from another planet, but was just just a test vehicle what would you say to about that and i thought that's kind of like a weird odd question to ask because my dad sort of had this attitude sometimes that not all not all ufo's are aliens and that not not all 
weird, quote, spacecraft, unquote, are of extraterrestrial origin. He conceded that maybe some of them are. Mm-hmm. And he sort of got mad at the fact that people thought that, that flying saucers, quote, unquote, were beyond our capability. And he had this sort of attitude that you have, you, you have no idea what's capable because you're stupid. <laughs> I guess that's, <laughs> that's his attitude. That's yeah. And there was, you know, an episode with my dad where my dad, you know, broke down and cried and it might be over something totally related. But my dad had said to me when we were traveling across country once and we stopped off out on Las Vegas and we we're in the parking lot of the frontier. I think it was the frontier. And he just started crying. And he said, if you, if you knew everything that I did, you would, want, you would want nothing to do with me. You would run away from me as fast as you possibly could. And for whatever reason, he had, we had um, a, a, a black and tan cat named Tuner. And because it used to sleep on dad's ham radio equipment because it was, it was warm. Warm, yeah. And before we moved, before we left, Tuner ran away. And my father was upset because he was thinking about Tuner, the cat. And he, and he had said something that really sort of bothered me. It was almost as if Tuner knew who and what dad really was. That really bothered me that he said that. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to like narrow it down and it was like, when I said, what was it something that you did when you were in the military? And he kind of like, he, he kind of like nodded and he started to like really like tear up. And I said, dad, it's come on. It can't be that bad. I mean, it's not like you killed anybody. And he started crying uncontrollably. And some of the people that knew my dad got in touch with me and they told me these exotic stories about how when my dad joined the military, he was a couple of months shy of his 17th, his 18th birthday. He joined, he dropped out of high school because he couldn't stand it. Life with my grand, my, my grandmother and her second husband got out of the house joined the military it got a special dispensation to join at an early age and he had an initiation when he was 18 years old he was 18 years old and he was already in korea from what i understand from what i understand he was or it occurred later on in his career when he was in the military he was a part of some weird initiation ceremony into this group that he was in and this is according to somebody who for a while knew my dad found out my dad passed away got in touch with me and said this is what happened to your dad i think i think this is what made your dad sort of lose his mind a little and there were other weird things where it's like you know before skinwalker ranch was a thing before everybody knew Skinwalker Ranch, there was just this this place near four four corners in the southwest where he says, "Hey, let's go take a look," and we like kind of like poked around, and then we were we were chased off by by police cars, and then when we were back on the highway, we were pulled over by unmarked police cars, and they made us take everything out of it. They inspected all of the boxes that we had in in, in the Chevy van that we were traveling in. 
and they they saw my my dad's ID. They called him in. Keeping in mind, we also had we had no inspection sticker. We had no re- registration or an expired registration, and no insurance. So it wasn't like they didn't have a reason to pull you over. It, basically, we were screwed. Yeah. They went in. They called my dad's um, information over the radio. They got back out of the car. They walked over to my dad, gave my dad back his license. They kept the expired registration. That I thought was good because we gave them their registration. And they said, sorry to bother you, Mr. Fisk. Drive safely. And we repacked the van and we drove away. I have no, you would have thought that they, they had us dead to rights, Che. Yeah. They could have confiscated the vehicle. And we would have been screwed. We would have been stranded out in the middle of the Southwest. Yep. There were other times dad was pulled over. Same situation. He was pulled over. They ran his name. They gave him back his license. And they said, have a nice day. Drive safely. They, this happened a couple of times. And, there, and, he, and, he, and he knew these things and he, that he couldn't elaborate on. And he would just ask me these vague questions about UFOs. What would I think if this? What would I think if that? And what if, what if they're not of extraterrestrial origin? Yeah. That's, that is two. And of course, now we have Sergeant Bespin here and his memo. And I'm thinking to myself, the implications to this are enormous. If, all or most of you of the UFO sightings are man-made of this advanced technology that we're not privy to. It might mean that we're alone in the universe. Well, yeah, but I mean, considering everything you learned about your dad since he died, um, it is also possible that both of those are true. Yeah. We ha- are not alone in the universe. We know we're not alone. And we have this technology that we've developed. And who's to say, like, for example, the whole Space Force thing. Everyone's been picking on Trump for Space Force. But for just a moment, step back and say, what if you were president of the United States and you became aware of this highly advanced technology and you became aware? Because one of the things he also said in his when he first became president is that if there are aliens, he's going to that the and the government knows about him, he's going to tell everybody. And then he hasn't said shit. So what if he finds out? Yeah, there are aliens out there. Some of them are malevolent. We've built up this technology that we can use to protect ourselves from them. And that what if that is the reason he created the space force? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, who, seriously, who knows? It could that could be true, and it could be that you know Trump smoked way too much crack in the '80s, and he's just lost his fucking mind. At this point, it's a coin toss as to which one it is. Yeah. But given what Sergeant Bespin says, you do kind of wonder. You know, it's that like that classic from the '90s. You know, things that make you go, hmm, hmm, right, hmm, hmm. Yeah. It does. It it. It definitely makes you wonder, what the hell are they doing? And yeah. and could all of the secrecy that we talk about, all the surveillance, everything that we've talked about with the exception of September 11th, could 
any of this have to do with the fact that they are working extra hard to keep this secret and they are willing to silence people who stumble upon information like this? Right. And what if with the advent of, well, the, the, the new media, the internet, what if they're trying, struggling and it's a bunch of people that are from the deep state that are just struggling with trying to maintain control over it? And then there's another part of the government that's like, maybe we don't control it. Maybe we let it all leak out. And, you know, this whole thing with the UFOs is one of their ways of saying, yeah, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. You know, and if the government admits that there's UFOs, then they're more freely able to use their test technology without being without fear of being seen by the government, by the public. Because now they just say, oh, yeah, fuck, we don't know what's going on. They weren't on our radar. We have no clue. It's it's you know what I mean? it's strange aerial phenomenon. Yeah, that we don't we don't know the origin. We don't know where it comes from. Right. And then the Pentagon might be half true when they say this. Oh, yeah, well, it's, we don't know what agency that belongs to, but we know that it's ours. <laughs> they could be lying. They, it could be a half truth. Right. They could be getting off, you know, getting off camera and then they go back to their office and they're like, hey, Tommy, good one. Saw the interview. Well done. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Um. Well, then you, if you get into other, some of the other paranormal stuff, because you and I both know the government has done investigations into other paranormal phenomenon, such as like hauntings and, you know, cryptology, cryptozoology and all that kind of stuff. They have done investigations into that, right? So what if some of the things that we term as cryptids are actually aliens? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it opens up a whole kind of, Outre, outre, however it's pronounced, this yeah. out there sort of possibility. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you and I have both had experiences where we're like, there's more shit going on than what sure. they are willing to admit. Right. You know, and maybe, maybe one of these days we, uh, we talk about some of that. That actually, that, yeah, that is a great segue. I wonder if we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. About, about the, the stories we are going to have i'm not sure if it's a contest or whatever but there is there there is a prize there is a prize and the prize is your choice fedora chronicles t-shirt and coffee mug or a 35 dollars amazon gift card your choice what we are inviting you to do is send us your scary stories that we will read on the air and whoever is deemed the winner because we're going to have a poll on twitter in our facebook group jay and i are going to narrow it down to the top five and you are going to vote on which are which which is the best which is the best scary short story i would like them to be about your real life experiences, your close encounters with the paranormal, weird things that happen to you or somebody you know. And there's two ways that you can send us your story. You could either send it to us text only for Jay and I to read on an episode of the podcast, 
or you can send it to us via an audio file. You read the story and send it to us via Google Docs or Dropbox, and we will just attach it to the radio show. And I'm trying to figure out when is, when should we end this, Jay? Because, um, well, we're going to need time to sort things out before, because it would be awesome if we could release it on Halloween. The winner. We would like to release the winner, because I'd like to read yeah. these one story, one or two stories a week. Every, once, once a week, as part of the Fedora Chronicles radio show, we read your scary paranormal stories. Right. So why don't we say that we we need to have everything on the air or have been made available to everybody by we want to start the voting a week before Halloween. That that would be the 24th. Right. So the 24th of October is when everything has to be out there for people to vote on. So anytime between well, let's say today. Yep. You know, uh, September twelfth, as it goes out over over publication. Yep. Anytime between today and well, up until then. I mean, a week before the twenty fourth. So what is that? It's the seventeenth. Seventeenth. Yeah. Yeah. So anytime between now and the seventeenth of October, send us your stories in any of the formats, either text formats so that we can read them, or a um, audio format of you reading them. Right. We will get them published one way or the other. We'll, voting starts October 24th. Exactly. That's the, that's, like that's, that's the, the annual Benora Chronicles scary story contest. First annual. Well, I was going to, I was going to keep that a secret. I mean, that's, you don't need to know. And we're Come going on, we're all about honesty here, Eric. And we're and we are going to invite everybody from all the other paranormal groups that we belong to. This is not just for the people who belong to the Fedora Chronicles group. Yeah. This is for everyone who listens to this podcast. If you have a scary story. Um and also here's the other thing. If if you would like me to interview you as a special episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show about your scary event, just drop me a line. Um, also, the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that Chris Stumpolis got in touch with us and various other people and wanted to let um, everybody know that they have a very special DVD collection um, based on the documentary about their remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark when they were teens back in the 1980s. And oh, cool. all the information is on the Fedora Chronicles main site. Um, just click the picture of the Raiders guys and that'll bring you to the link where you where you can get all the information. So, um, and do, do, we, do we have time for one more thing, Jay? I wanted to. I wanted. Um, to, I want to read this review. Yeah, yeah. We got. We got. We got time. I don't have power, so <laughs> I do have to tell my boss that I don't have power at some point. Yeah, but yeah. I'm gonna get to this because, but, but I have. I have things that I have to do. Unfortunately, I yeah. could. I could do this. 
I could do this all freaking day. I wish I could. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, her Twitter handle is the Bella Edit, and she is a freelance editor. She loves storytelling, magic, philosophy, mythology, and um, she does a great job just reviewing stuff. And she wrote a review for the Chronicles, and this is. This is this is this is the second best thing that's happened to me this week. <laughs> it, now, I'm gonna. I'd like to. I'd like to read it because she hit it. Yeah. It. So Bella writes: The Fedora Chronicles is a very well produced podcast with an almost overwhelming number of episodes. Eric Fisk has possibly the best podcast voice, which makes for very easy listening, along with the music and jingles employed throughout the show. The Fedora Chronicles doesn't shy away from difficult issues and current events, delving deep into various topics that are handled well from what I listen to. This is a serious podcast that still managed to be just as engaging and entertaining as any of the others on this list. One of the episodes I listened to Address the recent upheaval in America and globally and the police brutality, and it prompts a lot of thought-provoking discussions. As well as covering current events, the Fedora Chronicles explores popular culture, conspiracies, and true crimes, and there is a wide variety to be found here. I applaud him for using their podcast to examine difficult and uncomfortable topics in an informative manner. That made my week. So That was fantastic. <laughs> I I I have to send her something as a thank you gift for reviewing us, and that's the yeah. thing. It you know, um, it, it, write a review for us on any of your uh, platforms that you listen to us, and we will read your review on air. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good or bad. Good or bad. Yeah. We may, there may be more heckling involved if it's bad. Just be aware of that. Exactly. So, you know, I'm not sure if that's incentive or not either way. But Bell, but Bella made my week. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to let Harrison get to, quote, school because he's looking at me <laughs> evil like. And and, you know, just ha have a have a great weekend, Jay. And um I, I will talk to you later in, in a little bit. And That's thanks, thanks, thanks for another awesome show, and thanks for sticking with, with us. I mean, look, not even not even losing power will stop us from doing the podcast. That's right. right. That is right. This is how much you guys mean to us, you listeners. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions and if it's any good we promise we will read your comment on the air support the show by contributing to our patreon page 
patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.